Welcome to the Adoptee Thoughts Podcast. I am your host, Melissa Guida Richards, an author, adoptee, and mom. Each week, we will delve into the nuances of adoption, as well as tips for how to bring up difficult discussions in your adoptive family. And most importantly, we will not shy away from tough topics. So thanks for joining me today, and let's jump into your weekly dose of Adoptee Thoughts. Can you please introduce yourself? Sure. Um, so my name is Lynn uh, Wu McKitten. Um, I am a, a Korean American adoptee. I was adopted uh, actually with my biological identical twin sister um, before I was one um, by uh, my parents. My mother is from uh, Montana and my father is from Minnesota and that's where I currently reside. Um, and uh it's it's been a, a journey for sure um but long story short uh i ended up falling into the field of mental health and so now i'm a therapist i work in private practice and a lot of the work i do is with transracial and transcultural adoptees so um hence why i found you and your book and you know it's just it's been kind of like this full full circle here um but yeah drawing a lot from my own experiences and personal experiences, but really seeking out like the people, the training, the experience um, I can have to help other adults uh, in the adoptee community. And so I'm really excited to be here and be talking with you. I'm excited to have you here. I love talking to other people who like work with other transracial adoptees. And, you know, you're honestly the first twin adoptee that that I've met. Oh, cool. <laughs> That's really cool. <laughs> so like, I always like I'm interested in like the dynamics because my brother, my adoptive brother, different uh, bio mom and everything like he doesn't like talking about adoption at all. Like, yeah. like for him, he's just like, no, nope, like it's it's whatever. I, that story is closed. And then for me, this this is what I do. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Have you have you found that like differences or like, is it different with a twin? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because, well, what I've been told is since we were very young, like it was clear that we had this connection and like we, you know, living in Minnesota, um, very predominantly white, mm -hmm. um, even though we grew up in the cities, um, still we were kind of the only, you know, two little Asian girls in our community. Um, lucky in the way that there are a number of uh, Korean American adoptees in Minnesota, um, but also just not having that experience in everyday life. So it's interesting. My my sister did not go the mental health route. Mm -hmm. She is a uh, she works in business and finance, and she is also a person who doesn't talk a lot openly about her adoption experience. Whereas this is like become kind of like you, it's like become my job, and so like I talk about this stuff all the time, and I love it, and I think it's really exciting. Um, but yeah, similar experience. She's not a person who talks much. So we haven't even really talked much with each other about our experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's so cool to see. And like um my half sisters, they're adopted from the same bio mom, but into a different family. We're actually adopted into Minnesota too. So Oh wow. Oh my so gosh. it's a small world. Uh, there's a lot of adoptees from like from there. And it, yeah. it's just like a huge hub and that I've learned and it's it's cool to see like our different um how we grow up, but like we all have kind of not all, but like most of us have similar experiences with like being like white majority families, white majority homes. And it, it, it's interesting to see how that shapes us and how we grow up and like what we want to yeah. do. Because like for me, like I studied psychology in undergrad and it was when I was taking like, uh, you know, cross-cultural counseling classes and learning about like identity and how people form it, white people versus people of color. And I just found that like, fascinating and it was so cool to see and how it impacts us and like how there's studies on it and just you know stuff that like day to day you know you don't really think too much about you like you wonder but actually seeing like oh there's like cycles of identity and how you know people think about each other and i'd love to hear like what pulled you in to like the therapist route and like if you had like that light bulb moment like learning about stuff yeah definitely um i think 
from a very young age I always was kind of like that caregiver kind of like role like even in like my friend groups and things like that and maybe in a way to like in my family you know I'm just kind of like looking out and also I just think people and like relationships are so fascinating yeah um and so I you know went into school and I was like sure psychology and so like I declared my major right away but it was kind of I think similar to your experience where I started learning about these things these theories and like these studies and things like that and I was like oh my gosh I have like a name now to like some of the things I've been experiencing like all my life and I was just like I didn't know that was a thing I thought this was just like my own weirdness or whatever so I think it was like feeling that connection and feeling like I had language to really talk about and understand more about my own experiences and then also not feeling so maybe alone in those Mm -hmm. experiences and I think that's what kind of led me to wanting to practice and do therapy too um just knowing that there might be other people out there who have had similar struggles as me and wanting to be able to like kind of share that information be like hey like look there's 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 explanations and answers to a certain extent um but more importantly there's like a community of people out there too who can really like make you feel connected and make you not feel so alone uh, so it, it, it feels almost like natural, like this is what I was just like born to do, but it was really like kind of the self-realization too that I was just like, oh my gosh, like there's a reason why sometimes I feel disconnected or I have questions about my identity um, and there's things that I can proactively do to kind of work on those things too. So I wanted yeah. to be that person that kind of like share that information and like get that word out there for people. Yeah, I, I totally understand. And it's so rewarding to just kind of like have these conversations and then just to be like normal <laughs> because like I didn't have yeah. growing up. And then now it's just like, okay, like we talk about adoption. It's whatever. Even my kids, I have two biological sons and they're like, oh, like mom, are you adopted? I'm like, no, like, what do you mean? And then my husband was like, Melissa, you, you talk about adoption all the time. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you know what? You're right. Okay. So like, I get it. I get it. Um, I'd, I'd love to also like know more about like being in the field of like an adoption therapist. If you get specific training for adoption, like how does that work? Because I know a lot of adoptees, you know, they think about going to therapists and then we hear like, oh, adoption therapist, adoption competent, like trauma informed. And like, but does it really make a difference? You know? Yeah, that's a good question. And I I kind of revisit that question a lot too, especially when I seek out like other, uh, you know, experiences or different trainings and things like that. And I don't think there's like a, a label or like a certification or something that makes someone, you know, adoption competent versus not i think it's so complex adoption is complex you know and so while i really love that there's more people out there who are you know stepping up and saying like i'm trained in this way or these are the things that i can really offer to help adoptees um in a therapy setting awesome and sometimes i take a moment too though to question like what does that really mean like adoption competent therapist what does that mean Um, So for me personally, like I I do revisit that quite a bit, but Mm -hmm. just in my own experiences and talking with a lot of other people in the adoptee community, knowing that complex trauma, uh, ambiguous loss and grief is such important stuff to just know about and be informed about. So I try to seek out trainings that kind of meet the needs of the people that I talk with and their experiences rather than going for like certification or training that is just like, this is for like adoption competency. It's just like, yeah, maybe, okay, maybe. And because of the complexity, it's just like, we, I think we do um, really owe it to the people that we serve to go out and like look for those specific things. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause every story and every experience isn't gonna look the same, obviously. Yes, yes, yeah. And thank you for sharing that with us because I know like we all like are in this space and trying to, you know, be better and like be healthier. So it's kind of good to know, especially firsthand from someone who, you know, works in this field, what the difference is. And I know personally from my experience, like I've worked with like just regular therapists that weren't specialized or, you know, concentrated in trauma or adoption and then versus the ones that do. And it's just like a whole new ball game and like being able to like relate and there's just like a difference and just like talking to them. And I think it really makes you feel heard and it's, 
it's easier to kind of chat about that stuff. So like, personally for me, I see a difference. (laughs) I think there is, because I think the folks too who go out there and say specifically like, hey, I have things that I can offer adoptees or families, adoptive family, kinships, families, anything like that. Um, I, I think that folks who have a desire to work with people in the adoptee community too, do have that knowledge for the most part, like that there is so much about like just being able to say like, hey, I had this experience and then not have to explain it, like over explain it. Like a lot of adoptees are put in that situation just like in their daily lives. So to come to a therapeutic setting and then feel like, well, I had this experience and I felt this way. And then, you know, for someone not to understand why and then having to explain over and over again, like that takes away from it. So yeah, yeah I love the adoption informed kind of piece of that where people are like, oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah, that must have like, I totally understand why you feel that way. Or, you know, you just get that look and you're just like, yeah, we, <laughs> we get it. We're connecting here. So yeah, there's definitely that. Yeah, the, the emotional labor of like having to explain things to non-adoptees, like, oh, that, you know, that, that made me feel really upset or whatever. And they're like, oh, why? Why? It was just a joke, this and that. And, yes. you know, you have to go through that whole spiel or not. And then you kind of keep that internal and then that weighs on you too. Yeah. So yeah. knowing that you do all this work, I, I'd love to know like how you take care of yourself. Like what's self-care for you? Because I know talking about adoption and stuff, this can get heavy. And then when you are adopted, you know, that's another layer where you have to, you know, deal with these feelings and stuff. So from a therapist and from like a person who's in the mental health field, like what are your like top self-care things that you do? I, I think it starts like kind of at the beginning before like I even go into therapy sessions. And I'm really a person who takes this positive psychology approach where it's just like, I see like so much the strengths in the people that I work with. This is never a situation, well, at least, you know, the way that I practice, this is never a situation where people are like coming and like, I'm fixing you. There's nothing to be fixed. I'm like recognizing how amazing and like powerful these people are. And so it's really like about having that space to like foster that and like uplift people. So I think just coming in from it from that standpoint, like makes a whole world of difference on the other side too. Cause on the other side too, it's just like, you can kind of internalize, like you said, like take on all this stuff that people are going through. Um, and to a certain extent I do, but then also I'm just like, I believe so much in the people that I work with mm-hmm. um, that I, you know, it is almost, the opposite of that like I feel like almost strengthened or like you know motivated by you know these experiences yeah. that people are, are getting through and like these awesome things that these these folks are doing um but definitely like to like keep reading and keep getting more knowledge and stuff like I think that's such an important self-care thing for myself is just to stay knowledgeable and stay in touch with people who are also doing the work Again, not just feeling like I'm doing this alone. Yeah. There's so many other great people out there like you, Melissa. And so I get to like hear from other people who are doing the work and that's super empowering also. Um, but yeah, definitely take my breaks for sure. I have two lovely doggies. I have a wonderful husband. I love being outside and doing things like that. So all that fun stuff too. But I think it really starts at the beginning before you even step into a session to just having that mindset of like, these are powerful, skilled people um and not leaving there being you know worried about what's going to happen next it's just like no they're going to go out and live their lives and do awesome things and so that's really exciting thank you thank you for sharing that i think that's so cool to know and just hear that because you know being on the other end of the spectrum you wonder oh hang on oh just like hearing it from the other end and like how you know, professional like views us and like the situation and stuff. Cause you wonder, you're like, oh, am I just exaggerating? Like, is this stuff like really an issue or, you know, how that comes across? Um, I Switching gears, I'd, I'd love to know more if you're uh, okay sharing it. Like has your career focusing on this impacted your relationship with like your adoptive parents at all? Yeah, um, I think it has and maybe for the better. And 
sometimes the work is hard, even if the outcome is something that can be really beneficial and great. Um, I, I think for me personally, just kind of like understanding more about my own identity and how I fit into the world. Um, I think it's better equipped me to like show up in the way that I want to. Um, a lot of the work I've been doing too is just like having that voice because um, for a lot of adoptees, like our narrative yeah. and our stories already like set out for us. We don't get the opportunity to like kind of participate in that. And so having a lot of confusion around that, I think put me in situations where when I was trying to relate to my family, like sometimes I'd be left with this like sense of, you know, questions or, you know, sometimes resentment even too. Um, but I think doing the work uh, on my own and like with my own identity too has been really beneficial to the way that I kind of like acknowledge and understand my family, the good parts and the bad parts. Um, because I don't think, you know, having kind of rose colored glasses yeah. about like families, like period, or like adoption period, does anyone any sort of benefits? We're denying people so much um, the other parts of that experience. And I don't think struggles are necessarily bad or like pain or sadness or grief are necessarily bad, but to mm -hmm. deny that altogether. Yeah, yeah, I really totally damaging. agree. And I think that's one of the things that kind of helped with my adoptive parents is like being honest and like being able to say, you know, like we're having a hard time with this. And that's just kind of motivated me to, to kind of try to talk to more adoptive parents to see if we can bridge this gap and like, you know, talk about these wounds and make it just like, normal to have uncomfortable conversations because like no matter like the type of parent foster parent adoptive parent biological parent like you're gonna make mistakes like everybody's going to make mistakes it's just like you know what you do with it and like making sure yeah. that you, you're able to reach out to the resources that can help you and like the support network and all that stuff and as i i've been working with adoptees and adoptive parents it's it's interesting to see like dynamics change and you know how just a little conversation can make such a huge difference in the lives of an adoptee and i it's it's very rewarding do you, do you find that too? Yes. Yeah, definitely. It's it's just like how much richer things can be. Because if we're just choosing to look at like or try to keep everything like positive, positive, positive and happy, it's like we're really denying ourselves. We can't, we can't just choose the good emotions, right? It's like we either feel like the wide spectrum of emotions or we, we work our best to shut those things off. So by staying away from kind of these deeper feelings of like grief and loss and things like that we're basically denying ourselves of like the true like joys and happiness and like those connections that we can have in any family mm -hmm. exactly like what you said like any family biological adopted whatever um it may be it's like we have to maybe be okay with feeling some of the tougher stuff as well as then being able to experience joy from that yeah too. yeah um when you were growing up like obviously you had your, your twin but did you have other people in the community that were adopted that you know you had groups because i know my sisters they went to like camps and stuff like that and so i'm always interested to hear like how if other people interacted with adoptees yeah so in in minnesota and uh, a past guest of yours too who is very prominent in the adoptee community in minnesota there are um you know a number of resources i did go to what they call korean culture camp when i was okay. younger i think i went one year though um and then the adoption agency uh that my sister and i came through they offered you know kind of like adoptee support groups and things like that while i i understand and i think those things can be beneficial it it could have had maybe more of the adoptee perspective mm -hmm. integrated into some of that work because sometimes it felt like we were just showing up for maybe our families or for the adoption agency and not really for ourselves as adoptees and being able to share about our, our experiences. So I, I think I'm also lucky in the fact too that I had my sister yeah. and so I maybe didn't feel as much of a need to like connect um, with other adoptees, um, but because there are so many adoptees in Minnesota, two of my closest and most cherished friends are also Korean adoptees. 
Um, and so I, I am fortunate in that way too, that I did have, you know, people in my neighborhood, people in my schools too, who I was able to just kind of like naturally connect with. Too. Yeah, that's, that's really special. And the bond like with other adoptees, I feel like it's, it's just like, you know, this extra level of like, oh, I get you, you know, like we, we, we don't <laughs> yeah. have to ask questions or whatever, you know, you, you had similar experiences and it, it's I feel like it's very freeing to have and important there. I feel like it's also so important to have those groups and to have people who are friends and not just like coworkers in this space and it, it can really help. Um, okay. So can you tell us more about like your story growing up and like how adoption, you know, impacted you? Like, did your view really change from like when you were a kid versus like, you know, now? Yeah, yes, so much. And it's unusual. And I think about that idea of like coming out of the fog and I can so, I just so resonate with that, uh, you know, when, you're you're little you're just always trying to fit in it doesn't matter if you you know look like every other kid at your school or not it's just kind of like trying to figure out your place in the world um and i definitely had those experiences when i was younger that you know stuck with me for a long time you know i still remember kids at school like making fun of like how my eyes looked and you know like pulling their eyes back and being like where are your real parents i got that question so yeah. much when i was little and it's like, how is a six-year-old supposed to respond to that too? And so it's like, you know, with having questions of my own, then it was just compounded with all these other people being like, well, what what happened to you? What, why why is this all happening? I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, so it, it's like, you kind of just do your best as a kid to just kind of figure it out. But it wasn't until like much later where I was like, holy cow, like actually that stuff really like had a really profound impact on me yeah. um, and how I relate to the world. Um, and so there was definitely a lot of like leap into like pain, I think, and like things that came up for me later on when I think I had the capacity to kind of process and like understand what that meant. Um, so, you know, when I was younger, I wanted to fit in, you know, I even did things, I dyed my hair blonde, <laughs> I had blue contacts, like, I did all the things, you know, we just wanted to fit in. Um, and there was times too, when I was uh you know young adult age too where i like would literally feel and think like i just wish i was a white person it'd be so much easier yeah. um i wouldn't have to get all these questions i wouldn't have to get all these looks um and that was just yeah devastating and challenging and so that's what i've had to do a lot of work on too is just appreciating myself for who i am um understanding too the culture that we live in yeah. Um, understanding what that all all means and doing my best to personally but also in my profession to to kind of dismantle some of those systems that leave young people questioning and hating who they are just for simply existing and that's just so heartbreaking I don't ever want another kid it's going to happen because yeah world and things are hard sometimes but just thinking back to being a young person being put in these situations where it's like what do I even do being confronted with these really adult situations yeah um, I just don't want, you know, any young person to ever have to go through that alone. Yeah. And like, just to give like more context to listeners who aren't adoptees, who may have never experienced something like that, this, uh, talking about this, it just makes me think of like when I was younger and like first like coming out of the fog and like, there was this one moment where I was at a huge family party and like my, my adoptive family is like big Italian, huge family, cousins, extended cousins, uncles, aunts, you know, gigantic and we were there and there was a dj like doing music and it was a lot of like italian music and everyone's dancing and then there's a point where he's like oh if you're italian stand up in the air and like dance or whatever and then i i just sat there and i was just like yeah i'm not like and like i wish i was i wish i could kind of like be in that like oh it doesn't matter let me just stand up and it's fine like, this is my family but when you like really hit that wall and you're you're like you know no i i don't fit in that perfect little box and it does matter because it affects us and then like at that time i was like oh i'm not enough like i'm this awkward person that doesn't fit here i don't fit there i don't know what to do with myself and so it's it's a really I don't know, unique situation to be in. And so it's just, 
you know, nice to hear other people's experiences and why it's important to to kind of unearth these conversations as we get older and, you know, unpack some of that. Because I feel like it weighs us down, even if like, yeah. you know, we're like, oh, I moved past that. That doesn't matter now. I'm older. You know, I have a family that understands me. I'm married. I have kids. But I've noticed, I don't know if you have kids, um, but parenting now and seeing how like oh race is a conversation we talk about like skin color and that it's really different and then that's kind of healing and myself as an adult adoptee as a woman of color and just being able to parent differently and you know that kind of like intergenerational trauma situation um and kind of getting that new spark um yeah so (laughs) I, yeah, I, I love that now we kind of live in a time while obviously there's challenges, but it does. I don't think when I was young and growing up that there definitely were as many resources as there are today. And like we didn't have Instagram and Facebook and things <laughs> like that either, which is like mind blowing, right, <laughs> too, or like phones. And so, you know, there is so much great stuff out there. So I'm glad that there is more accessibility now. Um, it might have been like a pretty big game changer, like back in the day for some young people. Yeah. Uh, but not having access to those things too, and not knowing who to ask those questions to or who to get the support from. Um, yeah, so that's cool that it's changing. What year were you adopted in? Uh, 80, how old am I? <laughs> 86. 86. I was 93. Um, it's just like cool to see the different generations and you know we're not too far off so it was like the same deal I think when I was first like exploring the adoptee community we were on Facebook in college so that was like as close as we could get and there's like Facebook groups private groups that you had to like apply to be in and now you just kind of hashtag adoption and I'm like thousands, thousands of things pop up and it's a whole different world uh, you know, what's kind of your take on that? Like, a, as a therapist, do you feel like this really benefits the adoptee population? Or do you like caution like people about like, you know, going on the internet and like listening to all this stuff like me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, you know, because everything's so just at our fingertips that regardless of the things that we're like scrolling on the internet, just to be intentional about like what you're taking in. Um, Cause it's easy to go down those like rabbit holes and just like get, you know, and I felt that way too, actually, when I started kind of connecting with like more virtual communities too, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so many people and there's people out there rightfully so who have very strong opinions yes. Um, and sometimes they were very different, uh, from my own. And so it was hard to sometimes remember or fully recognize like really how I feel. Mm-hmm. Cause I'd be seeing and like hearing all these really provocative stories and being like, oh yeah, like, oh yeah, now I'm angry too. Or like, yeah, I, I get that. And so just to be, you know, mindful of like the things that we're consuming and how that influence our is, it influences our mood. It impacts us. Uh, as people it impacts um how we view the rest of the world too and then our choices and our you know how we how we show up um so yes i i think for anything internet related and for any young person i would caution like how much we're taking in um but i think more so than not it is beneficial that there is like this accessibility now Mm -hmm. and just to have more than just like Instagram or more than just like one podcast or one like Facebook group that you're maybe taking in this information. From. Yeah. And just hearing you talk about that, it just one part stood out to me and it's like adoptees aren't a monolith. We all have different experiences and we all have different opinions about adoption because I've noticed like in different spaces, there's people who are really, really anti adoption 
and they really talk, talk and focus a lot on, you know, the struggles and the trauma involved, which again, you know, everybody's, it's fine. You know, you can talk about what you want to, but then there's people on the other end who are like, oh no, adoption is the best thing that ever happened to me. Your experience is wrong. And then there's people in all sorts from the spectrum, you know, a little bit of that, a little bit of this. And so I think it's important for those who are engaging this space, especially for the first time to realize that adoption, it tends to be like a hot button topic and people, mm -hmm. their opinions are really strong. So I it, just when you step into this world and if you're getting involved, if you're creating pages and interacting with other adoptees, I think it's important to keep in mind, you know, be respectful of other people's experiences and you can validate that without it detracting from your own experience. So I think that's something that it takes a little bit of work because you hear people and they say things or they'll comment on your post and they'll be like, no, 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 this and that. And it can be, you know, instinctive to, to kind of react to that right away. And instead of like, what do you do? You know, like, should I engage? Should I not? And uh, so th that's kind of like my take on the whole, like, internet thing. Well, and I think that's such a good point and kind of bringing it back to like thinking of this idea of like adoption competent therapists too, mm -hmm. to, to understand that, you know, adoptees coming to therapy and getting support for their mental health, it's not going to look the same, just like any other person, you know, seeking out therapy or counseling or mental health supports, you're not going to automatically be like, oh, you fit into this box. This is how I'm going to kind of like treat the situation. This is how I'm going to respond. There are some adoptees who will go to therapy who adoption isn't part of their experience that they're wanting to talk about or work on. So not to like come to that conclusion, just ask. Like, I don't know why that's such a hard <laughs> thing to sometimes when I never read the comments, Melissa, I read the comments and it's just like, it's just like, come on, just like ask like what this person thinks or like about their experience or why they feel that way rather than just jumping to all these conclusions. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely feel like just opening up and like just sharing that that definitely, it helps and it just gives you a new perspective. When you, you work with clients, what age range are you, are you doing? Are you doing with the younger population, you know, older, what, who do you see? So lately, and since I started my own practice, it's been pandemic mode. So I've been seeing people just virtually and through telehealth. And so I haven't been seeing younger folks. Um, I really believe that uh, for families and, and young, you know, usually below the age of like 16 or so, virtual isn't usually the most effective type of therapy. Yeah. And so right now I primarily work with like young adults um, up until, you know, 40s and things like that, because that's really too where like the adoptee, like coming out of the fog, like kind of people kind of live. Yeah. Um, but I do work with adoptive families, um, and I work with then usually teens um, who are, you know, either the only child of adoption in their family, transracial or transcultural adoptees. Um, so I do a lot of that work too. But um, yeah, so kind of ranging between teenage and adulthood. That's really cool. Do you treat people just in Minnesota, or are you able to treat people out of state? Because things are virtual, so it's a little easier in that regard. Yeah, unfortunately, I can only see people in Minnesota. They're working to change yeah. that um, because it puts so much limitations on especially kind of like these specialty types of work. Um, so I hope that changes eventually. Um, but I am working to get licensed in different states, too. So that is is a possibility. It's just fun. And yeah, and things you got to like go through those. Yeah, exactly. So I hope to be able to work with more people like, uh, you know, across the country to one of these days. Um, but yeah, right now it's it's Minnesota. Minnesota. Well, I, I know like your work is super important. So just to, to even be virtual in a whole state that that opens doors too. Um, but it's important to for other adoptees to know because I know people always ask like, oh, can I do virtual with this person, this person, you know, I need an adoptee therapist and it's, it can be really hard to find somebody. And then like finding like, what do you choose? Do I choose like an adoption competent therapist? Do I choose a therapist that's a person of color too? Like, what 
what which is more important and I feel like it's very like situational like it depends like what you need at the time and when I talk to other like friends and adoptees and I I kind of talk about adoption uh, not adoption like therapy as speed dating because you go in, you hope for the best, you know, you're, you're choosing someone that you think is okay, but then it doesn't always work out. And you like, you go to the first one or two and you're like, ah, this doesn't fit right. And then you kind of got to go again. Like, what do you do until you find the right fit? And, you know, it, it can take a while. It can be right away, but it, it's something that I feel like it's worth, you know, working towards to find the right fit. Um, what do you recommend in like adoptees seeing a therapist? Like what do you think the dynamic kind of should make them feel that, that they know it, it, it's a good fit for them to keep going and stuff? And like what maybe is it? <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I think uh, we're kind of taught to respect the authority figure as like the all knowledgeable. And yeah. so, and I think especially for young people or people who are first going into like a therapy or like mental health setting, like we're, we're putting a lot of trust in this other person, but maybe sometimes too much <laughs> and we're not trusting ourselves enough. And so I always share that with people. I uh, do initial consultations with folks so they don't have to feel like, oh, I got this appointment. I got to, you know, see it through and stuff. It's like, well, no, let's connect and just talk and have a conversation just like this one and just see, you know, what you're looking to work on and see if there's a connection. Um, but I think people should trust their guts for sure and know that the therapist that you first start seeing or the therapist that you get the initial appointment with doesn't have to be your therapist forever. Mm -hmm. And maybe that seems like kind of common sense, but a lot of people feel like either because of there's not just availability and openings that they're feeling kind of more or less like stuck yeah. with the person that they first start working with. Um, a lot of people too, like, are like, well, I, sh you know, shared all this information. I've shared, you know, my whole story. I don't feel like, but find the person who works for you. And that might change throughout. You might find someone that you love working with. And then a few months down the line, you're like, actually, you know, no, I'm going to find someone else too. And that's okay. And as a therapist too, I always tell people, it's like, I, you know, no feelings hurt here. Like you deserve to have the person who's going to work best for you. Um, so if anyone's out there thinking like, oh, you know, I'm not really feeling like this is working for me anymore, but I'm kind of scared or like, can I, can I go and find someone else? Yeah. Trust your gut you know shop around find the person who's going to work for you i think that's so important um yeah so is there anything like you wanted to talk about that we haven't covered so far um you know i i think just kind of continuing this conversation about bringing it back to the adoptee perspective mm -hmm. it it just feels like that's been something that's been so missed which is really strange to me um, but even the best work that some of the adoption agencies in, here in Minnesota are doing, um, I think still the adoptee perspective gets left behind or left out. Um, you know, adoptive parents out there, it's hard, but I would just urge, you know, people to keep educating themselves mm -hmm. and to, you know, be open to listening to adoptees and their experiences. Um, and this is a big ask, but to not take it personally, Ooh. not take it personally. This is not an attack. <laughs> we have lives and things have happened to us that you, you know, some adoptive parents will never experience. And that's okay. We're not saying like, go and like live our lives. And like, you have to, you know, see things from my perspective, be open to hearing it. Though. Yeah. Um, don't shut it down. And when people get defensive, when adoptive parents, when, you know, social workers and adoption agencies get defensive and angry, holy cow, that's the best way to shut down a conversation and invalidate adoptees and other young people who are trying to share about something that's really difficult to share about sometimes. Yeah. And so I, I know you touched upon a little bit about like the positive toxic positivity in the adoption space. And I feel like that, that really influences like how adoption professionals and how adopted parents kind of view it because like it, it often feels like a personal attack on like what they did and like 
I know as a parent, you just want to do the best for your kid and you want to, you know, them to feel loved and understood. And when you, your child is like coming out of the fog and like sharing all these experiences. And if you have never been part of a diverse community or, you know, had experience with other people of color or other adoptees and you weren't adopted yourself, like you're coming out of like, I feel like your own fog of like this perfect fairy tale adoption and it's a process and i i feel like a lot of people there's just like it's kind of black and white for them during those you know very heated and emotional moments where you're opening these discussions for the first time but for adoptees and adoptive parents listening like i personally think like it's those moments that are super important that you kind of step back and give yourself a chance to digest because your initial reaction like you're you're gonna protect yourself you know you, you don't want those bad feelings to, to come in and like change this like view that you have so i think it's very important for adoptive parents to, to kind of sit see you know learn you know go to different environments learn try to interact and open your viewpoint and then kind of take it in and like see what you can do moving forward because you don't have to do it all at once i feel like that's also like another level of it you know like oh well i'm gonna help my kid i gotta be perfect i gotta figure it out right away and you know we're human it takes takes a bit to change change is really difficult for us yeah 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 it yeah it is and you know i think in any kind of situation adoption related or not when i find myself getting defensive or having really big emotions i stop and ask myself why like why am i reacting in this way because it's usually not because like someone is doing something to me mm -hmm. it's because i have personal connection to whatever is being said or whatever i'm hearing um, but the more that I can kind of step away and do the work myself rather than putting it on other people. So folks who are going out there and being like, how dare you, you should be grateful. It's like, you're putting the work back on adoptees. Like we're doing enough over here. Like we're just trying to live our lives just like you. So, you know, it's, I think it's beneficial to everyone if we can have a little bit more like self-awareness and, mm -hmm. um, insight. you know, like we're just going to grow as like humans. So this is a wonderful opportunity for people who are feeling defensive, who are feeling angry, who are feeling negative on either side or either, you know, point of the triangle to do some self work. And that's valuable. That's not something that people should get all defensive mm -hmm. about, you know, like this is a really actually a great opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. The, that light bulb moment where, you know, things can change. And I tell people all the time, like if my parents and I, we didn't have those tough conversations and I don't think we would have the relationship that we, we do today. And it's because of that work that we both did from both of our sides, because it takes, it takes two in a relationship and you have to be willing to, you know, understand your own part in the situation. And like, it's a little different, like, you know, being adopted child, but you know, we grow up, we're adults, we have to take responsibility. And now like we are in charge of our destiny moving forward and we can choose to address you know those past hurts or you know we're not ready yet and that's going to impact us in other ways yeah yeah it's yeah it's hard work um but generally speaking too like the most meaningful things too like come out of the hard work and it's like you said it's not going to happen overnight so to have some like patience to have some time to like really reflect and like process all of these big things um you know adoption matters are worth that time and that energy and that effort um no more quick fixes yeah i know you said you see families sometimes do you see adoptive parents by themselves yeah yes yep so i work um i contract with a couple of the adoption agencies here in minnesota and so sometimes i'll work with uh just the parents of uh children who have already been adopted and then i also do some work with um, prospective parents too as a adoptee is being transitioned into a new home and a new space mm -hmm. um, and really kind of supporting that part of the process uh, which is something i think is pretty cool and and new i don't know if like all uh parents get that opportunity definitely not biological parents it's kind of like here here's your baby like figure yeah. it out 
Um, so just, you know, being able to find new ways to like support the process. And so adoptees and adoptive parents don't have to hold on to like these big emotions and, you know, try to suppress them and have them come out later on. It's like give them opportunity to talk about uh, what's happening in, in real time. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's really cool. That is the first like I've heard of like a therapist talking to, to parents like in the beginning of the process. And uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that if you could share like what, what that looks yeah. like. Yeah, and, and so this is kind of a point where after a, a prospective parent has gone through, you know, numerous trainings and has the support of either social worker or other counselors too, who help with kind of lo the logistical parts too. And then obviously the advocates for the child are present in that um, portion. Um, and then my role is I kind of come in when uh, there's maybe a move date set. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, everything's more or less finalized, but really supporting the parent and then to the child once they actually are living together. Um, and so it doesn't feel like, okay, like here we are, like what's next? And so I'm offering those resources, um, just ideas and just kind of being a sounding board too, because I think being a parent, any type of parent can be really isolating sometimes mm -hmm. and then the parent is forgot about too because it's just like yes we love the kids like the focus should be on the kids but also like the parent needs support and deserves support and care too because yeah. whole oh my gosh taking on like starting a family what a huge like endeavor what a huge process and then when you're feeling like well my only duty here now is like mother mm -hmm. but then i'm losing like myself uh yeah it's just it can be um more of a difficult time than maybe it has to be um i just think parents deserve like all the support in the world too um in this process and in this journey and at the end of the day too that's what's going to benefit kids the most yes and i totally agree and um it's funny because i hear like that kind of criticism sometimes of like oh why why are you addressing adoptive parents like you should focus on adoptees but for me it's like i know how important the support network is and like from what I've learned and the research I've done, and if we can get adoptive parents to be prepared and well-rounded with their education and like how they're addressing adoption, that's going to really impact the younger generation of adoptees. And my hope is that hopefully adoptees won't have to struggle as much as like our generation did. And I, you know, in my opinion, I feel like adoption is something that's going to be something that just is going to continue happening. And so in order to, to impact this field and this community, I we have to work with adoptive parents and they're human, you know, they're trying to do the best that they can for their family and wanting a family, I don't think that's a bad thing. It's just, I feel like more adoptive parents need to, to open their eyes to the ethical issues and stuff and to really be prepared and do that work. So hearing that you're seeing parents in, in the beginning of the process and later on, like that, that to me is really empowering because I see adoptive parents are taking charge of this change and realizing, you know, I need help from a professional and like, I'm not afraid to do that. And that stuff is, I feel like crucial in certain families and not everybody will need the, the same extent of like therapy and services and stuff, right. but it's always good to have that door open, I feel. So, so you can get it if you need it. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, to think that people can do this without any sort of support, like natural or otherwise, is just kind of mind blowing to me too. And it is because it's just kind of like, just in this this nice little package view of like, you know, this is just such a lovely story. Mm -hmm. um, and to deny parents um, and, adoptees to like the opportunity to talk about uh, the not so perfect parts of adoption um, is really just going to be detrimental to the family overall. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to keep perpetuating the things that are really pretty awful and devastating about the adoption process because there is that and we need to we just need to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, this is wonderful. Uh, as we round up to the end, I, I usually ask 
Uh, one, like, if there's a piece of advice you could have for adoptive parents and a piece of advice you could have for adoptees, if you don't mind sharing. Yeah, um, I think for adoptive parents, um, really, and maybe all parents, your children are such magnificent, like, resources. We stand to learn so much from young people and children. And it doesn't hurt anyone to listen. Mm -hmm. You don't have to agree, but it doesn't hurt any parent at the end of the day to just let their kids talk it out and share their experiences and what they're feeling. So to really look at that as an opportunity rather than a source of maybe disagreement or fights or like, it's scary, it's scary, yeah. but just seize that opportunity to listen and learn from your children. Um, and for adoptees, um, just you're not you're not alone in all of this and while it's it's challenging um you know it's a process it's a lifelong process which is kind of scary sometimes um that there are other people out there too who like just get it um and it's okay to feel different it's okay to feel angry it's okay to feel resentful mm -hmm. Um, you're not wrong, you're not bad, you're not ungrateful. This word and is so lovely. You can have all of those things at the same time. Yes. Um, so not to shame or guilt yourself for feeling those feelings as an adoptee. Um, it's okay. Mm -hmm. And I totally, like, that's a reminder I feel like a lot of us need. Like, you can love your adoptive parents and feel yes. negative emotions towards adoption as a whole or just you know certain parts and it, it's okay you don't have to be either or it can be a little bit of both it can be a lot of one a lot of another and it's you know something that's going to change over time and uh i feel like once you hit that place where you can say that like i feel this and that it it really can change things and kind of open new doors and how you process things. So thank you for sharing that. And speaking with us today, uh, I would love to share uh, where people can find you, your services connect if they want to, you know, get in touch, follow you if you have, you know, a social media page. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. So my uh, practice is called Sando Wellness. Um, that's my maiden name and adoptive families uh, name. Um, so Sando, S-A-N-D-O, wellness. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter, rarely, um, but I <laughs> have it there. Um, and then I have a website and it's just sandowellness.com and you can learn all about the work that I do and how to connect with me directly. Um, and I'm happy talking with people. I love when people reach out and just want to have a conversation about like what's going on and talk about adoption. I love that. So thank you. Thank you. And then I hope people check your things out and um, for everyone out there, thank you for listening and stay safe. I'm so glad that you joined me today. And if you would like to hear more from Adoptee Thoughts, make sure to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. And if you'd like to learn more about me, you can check out my website, adopteethoughts.com. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day.